Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books? They only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit redemptionpressaudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to another new Redemption Press author, Pete Cruz and his new book, No Tears for Dad. So before we roll that conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Pete. Pete Cruz was raised in Milpitas, California, a town adjacent to San Jose. He holds a bachelor's in English from California State University, Sacramento, a member of Inspire Christian Writers and California Writers Club Sacramento branch. He has won awards for his short stories, served on the editing team for Inspire's annual anthologies, and presented talks and workshops during his professional career. Pete enjoys water volleyball, cruiser motorcycles, dancing, and watching football and basketball. So let's roll that conversation. All right. Well, Pete, it is a a just delight to have you with us today on the All Things Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Athena. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. I want to start, before we get into questions about your new book, I would love for our listeners to hear your favorite Romans 828 story. We've all got lots of them, but tell us one where you just couldn't see how God could possibly bring good out of a situation, and he did that for you. Um, Great. I, I think writers will appreciate this because... We know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And that's that's essentially how I became a writer. Uh, my first writing conference was in 2016 in Oakland, California. And I didn't know if I wanted to be a writer, if I was any good. and part of that conference was, and it was like a three-day conference, we we went to do an open mic at a bookstore. 
and uh, half of the class went, and that's about 20 people. And I had written a, a short story of, about Christ, and it was a secular conference, and I all of a sudden thinking, I don't know if this is going to go well. <laughs> but then, and you know, I was I basically still new as a Christian, and I'm getting anxious and nervous. And then all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit is just yelling at me, tell them who I am. And I read it and I think it stunned people. And the next day, one of the other participants in the class comes up to me and says, you're not the only Christian that's here. Mm -hmm. and, and she proceeded to tell me about the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. Ah, great. And I'm thinking, I'm, I, I'm not that good. I, you know, I'm not going to. It took me years to go because I just didn't think I was any good. And even when I went in 2018, I still didn't think I was any good. And after the first day of the conference, I'm planning to go to the chapel and tell God, I don't fit in here. I'm a, I'm a male. I'm a person of color. I don't want to pitch my book at lunchtime or dinner time to these editors or whomever, because that's just not me. And, you know, it was in Santa Cruz. I'm thinking, I'm going to spend the next two days in Santa Cruz at the beach. But then the next day, I think it was Palm Sunday, and there was a service, and I'm walking out, and I look behind me, and there was that woman, Penny, from Oakland, my first ever conference. And I go, Penny. And she goes, I know who you are. I remember you. And she goes, Come with me. And this was before, I want you to sit with someone. And she leads me to the table, sit here, wait. The woman was an editor from the West Coast. And I say to her, um, Penny told me to sit here and wait for you. And, and she goes, okay, tell me about, give me your pitch, basically. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. And so she says, okay, send me your chapter and I'll read it and she read it and she told me I was in a workshop and I decided to read yours and then after that I couldn't put it down and I turn each page and say oh and then I turn out and there'd be oh and meanwhile the workshop's going on and I'm not even listening and I'm thinking this editor from the West Coast. And, and then I went back to the chapel as I had originally planned. And I said to God, thank you, God. I, I guess I fit in and, and I guess I'll stay. And later that editor, her name's uh, Edwina Perkins. Oh yeah, I know Edwina. <laughs> I kept in touch with her and she had been such a big support and when it came time to look 
or an editor, she says, I got someone for you. He just doesn't take anyone. His name's Cease Murphy. And I'm thinking, wait, I think I have his website bookmarked in my computer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And after that, Cease just took me under his wing and, and he brought my book to a whole, or my writing to a whole different level. And he did the forward on my book. And even yesterday, he sent me an email because, and, and it said something, because I said, I, I might write another book after this one. And he said, I'm delighted that you're going to write again, because I admire your talent. And, and I, this is a guy that's written 140 books. And, right, right. <laughs> and he's telling me he admires my talent. And, mm. But this is how God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Because I firmly believe his purpose was for me to write. Mm. And no matter how many doubts you had about your ability to do that, God didn't let you stop. Because that'll stop people. They'll feel that imposter syndrome and they'll think, "I who do I think I am? And they'll believe all those lies. And God put Penny right there in yep. your path so you wouldn't quit and go to the beach, right? Absolutely. And... When I wanted to quit, when there was doubt, God would say to me, finish the book. Mm. And he kept saying it. And what's funny to me, I don't know, after I finished it, I, I wrote it basically in draft. And I'm thinking, about, okay, I'm done. Yet he kept saying it, like, finish the book. And, and eventually I came to know, because people would ask, and I, I came to know he wanted me to publish it, not just finish it, but actually put it in print and get it out there. So Yeah. So. Well, it has been a delight to see um, just the completion, the launch, all that he is doing to get the message out. So we're going to just jump right in to the book and uh, start having a conversation about that. So I want to start out by saying that your story is a powerful example of transformation. And I would love for you to just tell our listeners what the catalyst was for your transformation. This is one of the come to Jesus stories that people are, have occasion heard about. I, I hit rock bottom when I realized I couldn't undo for my daughter's present and her probable future what was done to me in the past. Meaning it seemed as if I had doomed her to a life similar to my own, filled with depression, uncertainty, and insecurity. I, I recalled from my teenage years swearing to myself that I would not treat my own offspring as I was treated, yet it happened. 
I had become my dad, angry and abusive. He, he was the model I grew up with and the one that I was fathering to my daughter, which meant no touch physically or psychologically. There were no hugs, no terms of endearment. There was criticism, demeaning words and, and hurt. I had realized my willpower was useless. I, I couldn't consciously change, although I wanted to. I had to change from the inside out. I, I needed God to change me. And it sounds like he was that catalyst that created the transformation that you were looking for. I love that. But I love that you recognized that that was what you needed. You couldn't, you didn't want to be your dad. And how often we grow up and we go, I am never going to be like my mom or my dad. And then we end up being just like them. It literally brought me to my knees and, and I cried. And I mean, it, it, I remember it was like yesterday where my daughter said to her mom, he just wants me to be perfect. That's when I realized whatever willpower I had just was useless. I, it didn't work. My, my consciously wanting to change the way I was just, just didn't work. I, 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 I just remember, I probably have never cried so hard in my life. I remember just putting my forehead on the wall and, and watching the tears just stream down my face. And, and they would like, it was almost like a, a faucet was partially on and I watched the tears go into the carpet and it was creating a pool and I sank to my knees and I just said, God, please help me. I, I can't do this anymore. Mm, wow. I, I didn't believe in God actually at that time, really. But in that time of need, I guess, I don't know if everyone does it, but it's, you got to turn to someone and you just, God, if you're out there, basically, please help me. So, so tell me then a little bit about um, how he answered that agonizing prayer. I had def suffered depression most of my life. It, it was obvious. And that was part of the anger that my, that was part of what my daughter saw growing up. She saw depression, me, a sullen dad who didn't say much. And after that, you know, my, my daughter basically said, I don't want to be with dad anymore. She said it to her mom, and, and, and it crushed me. And, and it was my worst fears realized. And the cover of my book, it shows me sitting on a bench. And that bench it was so significant because it was a lunchtime at work where the park was next door, and I'm sitting on the bench saying to God, this isn't going to end well. Mm. My life has been so hard. It just felt like he just said to me, you're going to be all right. And I'm looking around like, who said that? And, 
and I was sure it was God and the, the whole week I'd go to churches, this happened in downtown Sacramento, I'm, I'm going to the downtown churches sitting there at lunchtime like, where are you? <laughs> and then several days later, I'm at home and, and I just remember doing the dishes and feeling something's changed. And when you grow up with depression, you know it's with you every day, every minute of the day. And that was the change. And it was like, my depression's gone. It's, and it felt, it was so gentle. That's why I felt like I was looking for something. I, when you live with something as powerful as depression, I had expected God to yank it out of me violently, mm. such a part of me. And yet it was so gentle and it felt as if depression had never been there. It was just gone. Wow. And I haven't had, haven't had depression ever since. And that was what, a dozen years ago. So, wow. Isn't that, you know, uh, you just never know how God is going to show up in your life. But when you come to him with and just at the end of yourself. Yeah. So what surprised you most while you wrote that story? Did you experience a type of catharsis or how, how did that work? It, it, it. It's interesting, and I didn't expect it, and I guess that's why it was a surprise. I, I did not expect to feel to feel the full presence of God while I was writing my story. And by that, I mean when I'm writing it, I there were tough times, and, and this is the catharsis part where I'm, I'm just crying because. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, yeah. Some of the tough writing about it, it, it just it just brought back so much stuff and, and I would cry and, and and it felt like God was standing next to me, sometimes right at my shoulder, and he would say, I'm right here with you. And in a way that and I'd feel that most all the time when I was writing and in a way that motivated me to return the next day to write again because mm -hmm. it was, this is when I feel God. Yeah. And he'd say, I'm right here with you. And, and once in a while I'd say back to him, well, where were you when all this stuff was happening when I was a child? I mean, I, I didn't become a Christian until my late 50s. So most of my childhood, adult life, I didn't feel he was there. Mm. And yet, it wasn't until I finished writing the story when I could see the story in its entirety, I, I could actually see he was there. Because there were things that happened in my childhood that 
connected to my adulthood where he basically let me know, yeah, I was there. <laughs> and, and one of them was, you know, back when I was a teenager, I changed my name to Pete when I was 16 because I, I idolized this professional basketball player named Pete Maravich. And it wasn't until later when I'm in my 50s, I had heard or discovered from a friend that Pete Maravich died in the arms of the name escapes me, but he was the founder of Focus on the Family. Mm, Dobson. And, exactly. And he had, Pete Maravich had once said, I'd rather be known as a Christian than as a professional basketball player. Ooh. And it made me think, my goodness, the person I named my, myself after was a Christian? And, and it was like, whew. and there was another story where I. So as you're um, penning and typing away and remembering and, and then connecting the dots and he's showing you that he's there now and. Was back there. And, and, yeah. then, and then the friend that was telling me about this basketball player, he, he just said, there are plenty of stories in the Bible about how, how God changes people's names for his purposes. Mm. So even Peter's name was changed. And, yep. and it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I want to ask a question about your daughter, because at one point she said she was not good enough. So when she said those words, what thought went through your mind? The phrase, I didn't mean it to turn out this way, just hit me along with, I failed. Mm -hmm. and I, I not only failed myself, but I failed her. And, and it, it really hurt that, that I had done that to my daughter. Especially as I mentioned, when I swore I would never do that yeah. To, yeah. To, to my offspring of what was done to me. And, mm -hmm. and it felt like I had destined her to, to have to go through what I went through. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, there was this Tarzan movie and some guy walks into quicksand and he couldn't get out and he just kept sink, sinking slowly. And I thought that's, that's what it felt like. I, I can't get out of this. Mm. And the lines are too far for me to reach. And it's a slow, painful, scary thing just to be sinking. And, and I came across John 15, 5, I think. And it says, God just says, I am the vine. And and so he's the vine that helped pull me out of that quicksand. Mm. Oh. I love that. Okay, so 
What would you say to someone who may be struggling right now with family trauma or difficult relationships? I'd say, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through this. And I'd say, I'd say, I know it's hard and I know it's awful and you don't know what to do. You don't know what to think. You don't know who to trust. But sometimes I look at my life in terms of BC and AC. BC is before Christ. That's who I was most of my life. And b before Christ, it was so difficult. I, with depression and PTSD and, and low self-esteem, uh, I often had a thing, just, just get through this hour. Mm-hmm get through this day, this week. And I, and I would tell myself, don't give up because the road ahead is dark and it's foggy and you can't see. But what if the end of that road is just 10 steps ahead and you couldn't see it? And, and I would tell myself stuff like that just to try and keep going. But trauma and depression doesn't let you think that way it, it 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 makes you think this is all there is there there is no tomorrow you're gonna be this way the rest of your life mm, hopelessness yeah and i had to tell myself that's not true you've been this way before and and it eventually passes and you, you become okay enough to keep going on. So there's no evidence that you're going to be this way the rest of your life. The AC I mentioned to me is after Christ. And I guess even for non-believers, I just want to say, give Christ a chance. Mm. I mean, appeal to him because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the light. And he, he knows what's deep in your heart. He, he knows what's behind those barriers that are covering your heart. And, yeah. and, and let him carry your burden. Hmm. Because he understands. I, I mean, I, was it in the Garden of Gethsemane where his friends are like seemingly abandoning him and he's calling to God like, where are you? And... He understands what it's like to have no one around and feeling abandoned, even feeling God is abandoning you. So, Okay, so if we have some people listening today and they want to reach out to you online, on social media, where, where's the best place for them to do that? My website is PeteCruz.com. Email is Pete at PeteCruz.com. So, well, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today and for just um, sharing such a moving story of God rescuing you and helping you just rebuild those relationships. And just thank you so much. Same here, Athena. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up 
higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.